Welcome to the Movie Planet Season 4, Episode 6, and this week, JC is nominated 1959's Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Way we go, and da, three, cat. With Joe. Well, I don't like to see her about the place. She could be a witch. Joel. Well, we can't let the cutting of the tough stand in the way of good deeds. And JC. He's not a drinking man. If you make a good job, I might keep you on. This week, we're talking about 1959's Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Well, welcome to the movie Pantheon. <laughs> Did I lose you, Joe? <laughs> no, because the fu- okay. I didn't see it coming right away. So the funny thing is, before we started recording, Joe said one of our listeners wrote in and said, "I've created a drinking game for this episode," and one of them was how many times JC will break out into song. song. Um, and then JC was in the kitchen, and Joe said. Joe said, he also said, uh, drink for every time he breaks into an Irish accent. And then the moment we started the episode, JC leans over to me and says, the better bet would have been how many times I break into an Irish accent. And he leaned back up into the microphone and started like that. So just to be clear, I do have my rum and coke here. So every time it happens, I will drink. I have nowhere to be tonight. So... So, I, so he really should do the entire thing in this accent for the entire time. Is that drink. what you're telling me? <sighs> Go for it. No, nah, I don't want to. I don't want to. Like people that are may actually be Irish listening to us, I don't want to assault them. So, realistically, uh, <laughs> more well, than this movie did. Yeah. Oh <laughs> no! And there it is. Shots fired. I'll clean okay. That. No. 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 Okay. I'll clean that off my face later. <laughs> Welcome to the movie pantheon. <laughs> The place where we watch movies that at least one of us feels you must see before you die and let you know whether they hold up by today's standards or are a bit of nostalgia. We're here to figure out what movies belong in the pantheon of movies within specific genres. The movies you truly must see before you die. Occasionally, we'll do movies that are immediately in the theaters, but mostly we're here to talk about movies that have been out in the world for a while because we're old and talk about whether they're overrated, underrated or whatnot. But let's start with introductions. I'm your host, Jay of the Sea, and with me, as always, is the Michael McBride and Katie O'Gill to my existential Darby, Joe and Joel. Welcome back, you sexy fellas. It feels good. Oh, hey. How, how you doing, buddy? I am doing very well. You seem well over there. I know you were excited about this one, too. I'm a little excited. A little. Not not as excited as whenever I cuddle with you, but I'm a little excited. Well, I appreciate that. There we go. We got to save a little bit for the listeners. Now, this <laughs> week, I have nominated Darby O'Gill and the Little People for my enjoyment, but also for the pantheon of family film movies, because you know what? It's good family film. The family film movie pantheon is comprised of seven and only sept films. That's seven in a language. Currently, the films with their average grades are as such. E.T. for number one, The Extraterrestrial with an A minus. That's an 11.000, close parentheses. Next. (laughs) (laughs) He won't be able to get through this. Who put the question mark on the teleprompter? Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's true. Uh, for number two, we have Gremlins, God, for, which is a C plus. You and don't like C- Gremlins? No, I didn't. Oh, I, he's probably still that. mad at me because I'm the reason. No, it's no. So low. <laughs> What's funny is that uh, podcast that we did. He was so on the fence the entire time of that. I remember at one point he just threw up his hands going, I want to know what this movie is. <laughs> I didn't. I had no clue. Uh, Gremlins was a C plus with 7.333 in the family slash horror. Now, the higher the grade we give it, the longer it will be staying in the Pantheon. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out on its butt from the Pantheon in the future. So we will discuss the movie, and in an hour or so, we will analyze it and grade it and figure out in this movie whether it gets a high enough aggregate grade to be worthy of its place in the Pantheon of Family Films. So this is family-friendly. No cursing, Joel. But the question is, <laughs> let's talk about this now. Do we feel this movie will be above or below Gremlins? Oh, it better be above. Uh, C plus. Mm. Oh, this is going to be painful. It's hard for it's me. It's not going to be painful. This is going to be painful. This is hard for me to answer because I know both of your grades. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, so you are the fulcrum here. <laughs> hey, I'm teaching that in science right now. Yay! Um, I, my guess is it'll be about even. All, All right. right. There we go. Hey, guys. This well, is a I'm sp- with you fellers. This is a spoiler-rich <laughs> podcast. So if you haven't seen Darby O'Gill and Little People. And chances are <laughs> you've been under a stupid rock or something. Because well, who hasn't? Exactly. If you haven't, well, then cry <laughs> right have. now. Just cry. Because why? Still. No. <laughs> what <are you> not- <laughs> yeah, what else were you doing in 1959? <laughs> or since. <laughs> it is best if you stop Right now, go watch the movie. Yes, right now. You can probably find it on YouTube for free. And then turn us back on to enjoy our discussion and our analysis. <laughs> now that we've handled that business, fellas, let's get on to the movie of the week. The Wishing Sound. Oh, I wish I had time to sing you a song. But when I get started, I sing all night long. <laughs> can you put a rhyme to that? Try me. Go on, then. Oh, singing's no sin, and drinking's no crime. If you have one drink only, just one at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I wish all the rhymers were like Brian Connors. When it comes to rhyming, he takes all the honors. <laughs> Can you beat that? Hold your wish. Oh, I knew you could sing when you open your mug. So you carry the tune, and I'll carry the jug. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> could we have another round? There's nothing stopping us. Good. This week, we are talking about 1959's Darby O'Gill and the Little People, a rated approved movie. Where's that from? <laughs> like, where'd you, where do you get a rated approved? Before there was a rating system. It was 1959. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Film critic and historian Leonard Malton. Malton? Malton? Malton. Malton. Wrote in his book, The Disney Films, that, quote, Darby O'Gill and the Little People is not only one of Disney's best films, but is certainly one of the best fantasies ever put on film, end quote. Malton actually rated the movie so highly that in a later article, he included it among a list of lesser known outstanding Disney films. Yay. 
This <laughs> and I wrote that for you. <laughs> no, I added that part. Oh, you did? I did. Okay. That wasn't in your thing. Oh. I, I went and found that. Oh. Uh, this film was directed by Robert Stevenson and written by Lawrence Edward Watkin. I really wanted it to be Watkins, but Mr. You know, Randy Watkins. Yeah, that yeah, anyway. Um <laughs> now Mr. Watkin wrote it from stories by H. T. Kavanaugh. The movie is starring Albert Sharp as Darby O'Gill, <laughs> Janet Monroe as Katie O'Gill, Drink. <laughs> Sean, <laughs> Sean Connery as Michael McBride, Jimmy O'Day as King Brian, Kieran Moore as Pony Sugru, Estelle Winwood as Widow Sheila Sugru. I did not know her name was Sheila. Yeah. In all the times that I've seen this movie, I did not know her name was Sheila. Uh, Walter Fitzpatrick as Lord Fitzpatrick. Hmm. Wonder if he worked hard on that one. Hmm. Dennis O'Day as Father Murphy. J. <laughs> G. Devlin as Tom Kennigan. Jack McGowan as Padraig Oga, and Farah Farah Pelly Pelly Pello as Patty Scanlon. Norma O. Mahoney. There's <laughs> 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 Molly Mahoney. <laughs> this well, reminded me of some of my <laughs> earliest episodes where I couldn't read either. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just when I read that name, I'm like, don't say what's in your head, don't say what's in your head, don't say what's oh, in your head. Norma O'Mahony is Molly Mahoney. Uh, according to good people, uh, no, no, they're not good people. Did Why do I the, read the rest of it? What? Uh, huh? Nice. Sorry for the pause. No, I was making a joke about the good people. I read. Sorry. That's no, okay. My bad. That's no, my no, no, no. That's my bad. No, according to the awful ass people at Rose Tomatoes, they don't need a reading. <laughs> All right, sorry. My bad. <laughs> Come on. Did you lose it? No, now I'm back. All right. <laughs> According to the people at Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> it has a tomato meter reading of 100%. But they're I, awful. You don't like them. I, no, I don't. It's what does still, that rating mean? It, uh, as, even though it benefits my movie, I'm still, <laughs> no, bad Rotten Tomatoes. It has 13 fresh reviews and zero rotten. The critics on average gave this film a 6.9 out of 10. Nice. <laughs> I, I should say I, this. I read all the reviews. Four of them you can't find because they've been taken off the newspapers because the newspapers are so old. Wow. Yeah. The audience score, which is the average rating of the audience gave this film, because you know you need a math degree to understand Rotten Tomatoes, is 3.6 out of 5, with a 77% agreeing it's a 3 or higher. Gah. All right, it's time for Joe to go over the making of the movie in his segment called Inception to Perception, where he explains how this movie got off the ground in 10 minutes or less than that. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. So the film's development began with a visit to Ireland and the Irish Folklore Commission by Walt Disney and Associates in 1947. The Disney company continued to liaise... What are you doing? <laughs> Continue to liaise with the commission and its director, James DeLargy, over the coming decade based on Disney's desire to use Irish folklore as the basis of a film. But to DeLargy's disappointment, eventually decided to make an adaptation of Irish-American writer Hermione Templeton Cavanaugh's 1903 collection of stories, Darby O'Gill and the Good People. 
The duet, Pretty Irish Girl, apparently sung by Sean Connery and Janet Monroe, has been alleged to feature dubbed vocals by Irish singers Brendan O'Dowda and Ruby Murray. A single of the duet was released in the UK. However, the deeper male voice and breathy female vocal, which matches Monroe's a cappella finish to the song, plainly recorded on set, performing the song in the American version of the film do not match the voices of O'Dowda nor Murray. Uh, this movie has a lot of ADR in it. A lot of ADR. What does that mean? That's when they re-record the, the vocals in a studio afterwards. Uh, Connery does sing the song Pretty Irish Girl uh, on the 1992 compilation The Music of Disney, A Legacy of Song. And in 1959, Top Ranked, uh, and in 1959, Top Rank released a single in the UK which featured Connery and Monroe singing the song. Now, a little trivia. This was the film that brought Sean Connery to the attention of Albert R. Broccoli, who then went on to cast Connery in his most famous role as James Bond in Dr. No. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy O'Day and the other actors who played leprechauns were not given any screen credit, nor did Walt Disney allow any other material to be published about them in the marketing of, for the film. Disney's intention was to give the illusion he was using real leprechauns for the filming. Disney even went so far as to film the Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color episode, I Captured the King of the Leprechauns, in which he and Darby managed to corner King Brian and convince him to participate in the film along with his people. And that's all I could find on this film. So, maybe there it's just because... Yeah, there you go. Now, JC, take it away, dude. Do you remember the first time you saw this? What were your initial feelings upon seeing it? The first, Joseph! The first time I saw this was literally last Saturday. You lent it to me. That's true. Uh, and uh, my initial feelings? Oh, brother. Where art thou? <laughs> also a good movie. Joel? When was the first time you saw it? I yeah, I remember <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> that was. What about if he does an Irish accent? Do we got to drink then too? Was that an Irish accident? It was something <laughs> accident. I think I'm an Irish accident. I'm not sure though. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, it was Wednesday. I watched it with uh, my with uh, my Nashville dad JC, and I guess that'd be my Nashville brother, the boy. <laughs> I'm not and gonna, I played with Legos. I, I was, was going to say, I kind of felt bad because the boy did not make it easy for Joel to like appreciate the the, <laughs> the movie. I'll tell you what, like, I did have like a fidget, though, the entire time. He gave me like a big handful of Legos, <laughs> and I was like watching Darby O'Gill like, putting together this tower that I worked on <laughs> the has... entire two hours. <laughs> and I, I, I apologize, listeners, for this si sideways rant or whatever. He has not touched it. Like, really? I, I broke a piece <laughs> off, and he went... Ape. He's like, that's Mr. Jones. You can't break like it. So it is in the exact same form it. that you that you made it. Uh, you know, no touching. No touchy. Um, I remember seeing no touching. It, no touching. I remember seeing it when I was a kid. This is actually a movie my dad introduced us to. My dad bought it on VHS and he put it in, and he would have all of us sit down and watch this movie. So this was a dad film. So I was I was kind of like that. All right. All right. Time for a summary because we can't count. More than 10 because we wear our shoes. So, what is your summary of this movie in 10 words or fewer than that? Because we can only count to 10. Old man gets drunk, fakes violin, sees leprechauns, fights banshees. Joel? Old man seeks glory to defeat tinier Irish man. <laughs> I like that one. He never technically gets drunk. Just throwing that out there. 
On oh. screen, he yeah, you know what? This movie's got more drinking in it than any other <laughs> I, Disney movie ever. I, did, I didn't say it didn't, but he's never technically drunk. I he's, looked at JC. I said, how great would it be to be able to be successful opening a bar that sells two things, whiskey <laughs> and, and stout? stout. <laughs> and that's it. All right. I have Sanjay outwits king and town while daughter gets better life. What's Sanjay? Sanjay is Irish for storyteller. Okay, cl everybody, <laughs> class out there, now you know. <laughs> okay. All right. Synopsis of the movie, courtesy of imdb.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. All right. Donovan Gill, Albert Sharp. <laughs> Got to refill. You keep reading. Joe's going to refill his glass. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay. This is a short synopsis, I tell you. <laughs> It's a short film. <laughs> All right. Darby O'Gill, Albert Sharp is the aging caretaker of Lord's Fitz Lord Farquaad. <laughs> Lord Fitzpatrick's Walter Fitzgerald's uh, estate in the small Irish town of Rathcullen, where he lives in the gatehouse with his lovely almost grown daughter, Katie, played by Janet Monroe. Darby spends most of his time in the town pub, regaling his friends with tales of his attempts to catch the leprechauns, in particular their king, Brian Connors, played by Jimmy O'Day. Darby is past his prime as a laborer, so Lord Fitzpatrick decided to retire him on half pay and give him and Katie another cottage to live in, rent-free, and give his job to a young Dubliner named Michael McBride, played by Sean Connery. This doesn't sound like a bad deal. <clears throat> no, it doesn't. Free rent? I also feel like this is the movie I watched, because I don't remember any of this, honestly. Really? And I, I will say, some of the dialogue was tough to understand at this point. In the film. Most of it was, and I had to put the clothes. Cat, <laughs> you okay over there? <laughs> Jason blew his nose all over himself. <laughs> I may have laughed really hard on that one. It was here's the thing: the Irish accents were very, very thick. <clears throat> they are. They're and hard. To I had to put the clothes captioning on after a while. <clears throat> Just, well, just, I actually, I started with them on because the boy was talking so much. I'm like, Joel's not going to understand a word of this because of the <laughs> accent. So I turned them on. Yeah. All right. Darby begs Michael not to tell Katie that he is being replaced, to which Michael reluctantly agrees. But he tells him, you got to tell her at some point. That very night, Darby is captured by the leprechauns while chasing his runaway horse, Cleopatra, revealed to be a puka, which is a horse controlled by the leprechauns. And a necklace. And sure, <clears throat> on top of the fairy mountain, Nakmashiga, Darby learns that King Brian has brought him into the mountain so he could avoid the shameful admission to Katie about losing his job and live out the rest of his days. However, this would mean that Darby would not be allowed to return to Rathglen and must remain with the leprechauns permanently. This is kind of a tense part of the film. I it, it was. It, it got thrown down a well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it it, it, it kind of goes from like, oh, the, everything's funny and laughy to like, uh, kind of some serious stuff. Kind of had the uh, Rumpelstiltskin vibe to it for a little while. Like, is this dude going to be trapped under here forever? Yeah. And now he, well, I don't want to spoil anything, <clears throat> but well, he this doesn't. is a spoiler rich podcast. Well, all the people that he gets out a lot quicker than I thought he would. Is this the That's scene? That's what she said. Is this a scene where <laughs> he grabs the fiddle? Yes. And there's a five-minute dancing sequence? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
when Joe you don't remember dancing when the violinist in me <laughs> no I was gonna uh, that's, that's the thing as soon as I, I caught to the scene I didn't say anything because I didn't want to affect you watching it but that whole time I'm like I thought you did did I tell you that Joe's gonna hate this because this is yeah I think so. bad fiddle playing it's not yeah. even here's the thing there's faking it like <laughs> what, the fiddler in the roof they at least faked it very well this one, his fingers aren't even friggin' moving. They aren't moving. In fact, the music starts before he even presses the bow on the damn strings. <laughs> I thought you would not only be angry about that, but then eventually be angry at the fact that he's just playing a violin, but you're hearing like a full 50-piece orchestra. That oh, part, yeah. That part bothered me. <laughs> yeah. It was a little long for me. That's all right, so in, so in this beautiful tune that these two clearly loved, uh, Darby tricks the <laughs> leprechauns into embarking on a fox hunt by playing this beautiful song called The Fox Chase. Uh, he plays it for them on a Stradivarius violin loaned to him by King Brian. An Italian violin hanging out with leprechauns. You know, it was Disney, and Disney's just trying to, like, you know, promote the, the important stuff. Oh. You know, which important is the best. It is I understand. A, it's a small world, after all. <laughs> The leprechauns. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. The leprechauns <laughs> leave you. on horseback through a large crack in the mountainside wall. Sip. <laughs> Sip. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> From which Darby. Bye bye, boy. Have fun storming the castle. <gasps> How have we not done that movie yet? Anywho, I digress. <laughs> From which Darby also escapes, expecting Brian to track him down. Once realizing he's escaped, Darby sets up a trick to trap the leprechaun into a tricking that to trap the leprechaun into a drinking game so that he can keep him after sunrise after sunrise the leprechaun's powers no longer have any effect and he uses because he's captured him he now gets three wishes when you capture the king of the leprechauns you get three wishes Did only you know? three right only three don't go more don't, we'll find out what happens because the fourth one, you lose them all, and I forget the trick now, but I anyway, have, there was a cool little jingle. I have, I have massive props I want to give right now. The special effects in this are ridiculously good. They are Lord of the Rings level of putting little things with big things. Yeah. And you can totally see where Peter Jackson, maybe his inspiration fed down to from this point. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, he never mentions this in those 37,000 hours that I watched, but <laughs> if he got some of his ideas from Darby O'Gill... Well, it's nearly see it. I mean, the special effects could hold up today. Oh, yeah. I think they do hold up today. Those ones honesty, do. I, it, the there perspective are some, ones. There are some that don't, but I think a lot of them do hold up. Yeah. It, like, the whole movie, like, <clears throat> it holds... I mean, for 1959, holds well. Yeah. It holds together pretty well. Because, I mean, you look at the other movies that were made in 1959, you got, like, Ben Hur... Um, 1958 was uh, The Blob. And, like, you've got all these, like, much older movies that are popular, but I wouldn't think that this movie was as old as those. Uh, See, I saw this movie on the same plane as Old Yeller. Like, Old Yeller yes, came around around the yeah, same time. exactly. Yeah. That's true. All right, so anyway, he captures him, gets his three wishes, and so Darby uses his first wish to have Brian remained at his side for two weeks or until he makes his two final wishes. <clears throat> Meanwhile, while this is going on, Despite a rocky beginning between them, Katie uh, believing Michael is merely seasonal help, they start to begin the show, or they start to show the signs of growing affection. Brian stirs the two more in the direction after tricking Darby into making his second wish, warning Darby that his kin might resort to targeting Katie to get him back. 
Later, the town bully, Pony Sugru, who has his eyes on both Katie and the caretaker job, learns of Michael's position to replace Darby and attempts to get him fired with his meddlesome mother, Sheila, revealing the truth to Katie that they need to move out to the gatehouse because Michael is moving in. Okay, a couple things here. One, Pony is one of the biggest douchebags I've ever seen on film. Oh, hands down. Yeah. Hands down. And... My question for you guys about Sean Connery is, has he ever not looked 40 plus? I, <laughs> you know, we talked about it did before you, I saw the did movie. You say I that? did talk to okay. you about this because I mentioned that Joe and I talked about it and uh, okay. that you were like, he already looks like he's 40. And the moment <laughs> the movie started, I was like, holy crap. That's you're a right. man. You're right. <laughs> and uh, the thing that I said to Joe, I was like, Everyone, you know, says, you know, Sean Connery really aged well. I don't think that was the aged well is that he finally grew into the way he looked. <laughs> so, I mean, like when he turned 40, you're like, well, Sean Connery's 40. Like, really? Just now? <laughs> and there he are, looks great. And listen, I give Janet Monroe and uh, Sean Connery a lot of respect for trying to do the Irish accent. Yeah. His Scottish flies in there every oh, now yeah, and then. He totally yeah. sounds Scottish. Yeah. But Janet Monroe. I'm going to say this right now. Big hottie in 1959. She was. She is cute. But this is what happens when you tick off cute girls or any girl, really. They get livid when you lie to them. And a livid Katie, after lashing out at her father and Michael with the intent to leave early, chases Cleopatra to knock Nashiga because you know that damn... (laughs) Horse got away again. Now, by the time Darby finds his daughter, Katie is gravely injured after falling down the mountain, and a fever has struck her specifically as the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life (laughs) appears. No, seriously, there's a a green banshee that comes out, and I told Joe about this, and I told Joel when he watched it with me, that scared the shit out of me for like four weeks. Yeah, you made the boy leave. I slept in my parents' room because I had nightmares of that damn banshee coming after me. So I did. I made the boy leave the room, and he still tried to watch it from his bedroom. But I'm like, I know this scene fudged me up whenever I was a kid. (laughs) So I'm not doing that to my son. You're a little scary sometimes. I am. <laughs> so needless to say, the Banshee appears. And of course, in Irish lore, the Banshee is an omen to somebody dying. Um, despite Darby getting Katie back to Rathcullin while attempting to drive the apparition away, the Banshee summons the Kushnabauer to carry Katie's soul off to the land of the dead. Desperate, Darby elects to use his final wish to go in his daughter's place on the Kushnabauer which a saddened King Brian reluctantly grants. However, while accompanying Darby on his way to the next world, King Brian tricks Darby into making a fourth wish, wish, wishing (laughs) that his friend could join him in the afterlife. Because Darby is only allowed three wishes, this negates all of the previous wishes and spares Darby's life. As soon as Darby had stepped into the Koshnabauer, her fever lifted, and she and Michael revealed their love for each other in a warm embrace. Michael later confronts Pony at the pub for his attempt to get him fired, knocking him out and making him appear an incompetent drunk. Finally, Darby and Michael depart arm in arm, joining Katie outside in the wagon for a happy ending, with Michael and Katie singing a final duet together, Pretty Irish Girl. All right. 
Now it's time to play a segment we call Did the Awards Get It Right? Academy Awards! Zero nominations, so they won everything they were nominated for. That is no. That's that means, not what that means. That means <laughs> they did not lose any Academy Award nominations that year. Uh, Golden Globes, they had one nomination for up-and-coming female for Janet Monroe, but they also had four winners. <laughs> Wait, what? Apparently, well, they, they chose four people as opposed to just one because it's 1959. It's a little early. We, have, we haven't done the whole, we only can have one winner. It's a, it's a participation award, apparently. And, pe- and people think that we're bad with snowflakes and... Yeah, you know, hey, but, but she's named first, so, you know, there's that. But it's kind of funny because of all those names that are there, Janet Monroe, Stella Stevens, Tuesday Weld, Carol Lindley, Yvette Mimeo, Diane Bacon, Cynthia Cheneau. The only one I recognize is Angie Dickinson. Oh, that's true. I don't recognize her. Yeah, and she was also one of the four winners. So I don't, get, I don't know what Janet, Janet Monroe has done. Do you know what she, else she's done? She didn't. She didn't do. I think she did maybe one or two other Disneyish movies. Okay, but that's it. She was really a Disney actress. Oh, that was it. Kind of like sorry, uh, actor. Act, no, she was an act. She's an actress. Well, now it's actor. Swiss Family Robinson. The next year. I, yeah, there, that was the next. The sequel. No, like the next year. Oh, the next year. Oh. I'm like, they were there for another year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What did you think after watching the film Yo of Seth? I think this is a movie that should be remade today and reworked. That's what I think. I 100% agree. I think that this would be a great, great movie if it was made today. Uh, maybe get Connery to come back as Darby or perhaps like the bartender in like a smaller sneaky role. Um, I still love it, but I totally agree with Joel. Joel actually said that right after we watched the movie. He's like, this should be remade with Connery as Darby O'Gill. And when he said that, I'm like, that's brilliant. Like, that would be awesome. But he would have to unretire to do it. And he'd have to fake the Irish accent again. And like, yeah, it'd be you think, I, don't, I don't think that Connery is short and goofy looking enough to pull off the Darby. I said, like, you need an Ernest Borgnine to play a Darby. You could get a Saoirse Ronan to be uh, Janet Monroe's so, character. Oh, yeah, you could. Yeah. I could do Darby. What about James McAvoy as uh, the Sean Connery role? Oh, yeah. He'd be a good Michael McBride. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I still think it would be cool, but keep the heart of it. So if they do the remake, keep the heart of it. All right. On to our next segment, because we did the first segment. So now it's the next segment. It is entitled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we pick three things that we loved or scenes we like in the movie. And then we choose three things that we, you know, they could have been better. Maybe maybe they weren't the best, but they could have been better about the film. <laughs> and uh, no, we'll, Col- we'll, we'll talk about that. I feel like you're wrapping yourself in bubble wrap right now. Just going, I'm getting ready for this. You know, Colin Farrell could play the bad guy. Yes, yeah. he could. Oh, I like He'd that. He'd be a good pony group. Call us Disney. Hey. <laughs> Punk bitches. Joe, what are your top three things you want to highlight in this fantastic, amazing movie? Uh, the special effects are typical Disney. And they do a great job when there are scenes where leprechauns and humans are together on screen. I think it looks fantastic. I was surprised, actually. I was like, holy cow. It's not even like, well, here's where it's like projection screen. You can notice it. Uh, the soundtrack, my number two is the soundtrack. It's very Irish and very supportive of the action on the screen. It matches up. And I love the fact that they didn't try to do like a bunch of other songs. They kept it within the actual genre. And my number one, hey, Sean Connery, look, that's him. Hey, oh, Who's that? that? That's Janet Monroe? I must look up her filmography. <laughs> Notice, that was how he added, I must look up 
her, her filmography. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That was that was well done. You're welcome, Joel. Joel. Hey, I like the king as a good guy at the end. <laughs> <laughs> the, thing, the little leprechaun guy. I like that he, you know, he spends the whole movie trying to find ways to manipulate people for bad and to not take yep. advantage of the leprechauns. And at the end, he learns how to manipulate people for the good as well. And I like that little twist at the end. Um, number two, I like the story. I was actually invested in like the progress of how everything was going and wanted to see how it ended and not just waiting for it to end. Um, <laughs> which is rare, I think, for many family movies, especially older films. Like so many times you're just waiting for the movie to end. You're like, okay. I saw that movie that belongs in 1961, you know? Um, And then, number one, I thought Darby was hilarious. Like, I would would love to sit and listen to Darby tell stories all day. That old Um, codger. Oh, I would love, I agree. And uh, I thought that his sacrifice uh, was cool as well, you know, when he gives himself for the daughter. You've seen the movie. I see. What are yours? My number three is I love the characters. Each character is completely typecast. I know that, but they're 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 good in their typecastedness. Is that a word? I don't know. Typecastedness. Yeah, we'll go with that one. (laughs) And I believe them. And to me, it works. I think it works really well. Uh, The special effects, the size comparison that they did, the colors. I thought. I mean, the color of the banshee is still creepy to me. Granted, I may have like some repressed terror, but like even the way they like. I think you do. (laughs) Even the way they colored the Koshna Bauer and all that, like that just looked good to me. It looked really good to me. Now, just to be clear, the Koshna Bauer is the death coach. The death coach. The 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 carriage, and then. I, to be completely honest, and I know that anybody else watching this isn't going to get it, but for me, my number one thing is I get nostalgia. Uh, when I watch this film, I mean, I've seen it a bunch, but it reminds me of my grandparents telling stories. It reminds me of my dad telling me Irish stories. Like, I learned about Banshees. I learned about the Bauer. I learned about a lot of that stuff from them. And so I even said this to Joel. I'm like, it is so hard for me right now not to be like a running commentator because there's so much like I'd be watching scenes and there's so much like I wanted to share because I was just going to like share what had been shared with me by my grandparents and my dad. But I was good. You did, I was, you, I was you good. did a very, very I, good job. I, I was going to say, I, and I honestly, can, I controlled myself. I would have really well. preferred you to go that far because I know you're passionate about this movie. Yeah. If you ever watch Dumb and Dumber with me, I make zero promises. <laughs> Well, yeah, I will. This was no, the podcast. I was going to say, I, 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 I won't watch Pretty sure we went an hour and a half on that one. <laughs> all right. Gosh, we had a good time. On to the bottom three, because let's be honest, we're all ass men. Time to vent, Joe. What is it? Okay. Uh, my number three is the Irish accent is way too thick for some characters for kids today to understand what is being said. And if there's one thing kids love to do, it's watch movies with subtitles. <laughs> For anybody out there listening, that was sarcasm. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, my number two, there are no kids in this kid's film. Oh, that's a good, yeah. Just when I bu- read that, I'm like, oh, it's a bunch a of adults point. and old that's folks. Actually a really that's, good a, point. that's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, th- but then it's, is it a kid's film? Family film. Family film. Yeah. But it's the, still a te- valid point. Technically, you need more adults to make a family anyways. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> Don't touch that, please. Your primitive intellect wouldn't understand alloys and compositions and things with molecular structures in the 
<laughs> Thank you for that. Okay, and my, I all know I my knew, number one. I knew this was you know, going to be number the violin one. Violin planning. Can you please find a damn actor who can actually play the damn instruments? Okay, so those are my big three. That, that's the drinking game. I want one of our like hardest core fans out there to listen through all of our podcasts. And every time Joe gets pissed <laughs> at a violin player, you have to drink. If we ever end up doing the red violin, I will never say a word because it's perfect. All right, Joel. Let's all say it together. Number three, the, the bad, bad guy's, guy's face. face. Yes, <laughs> terrible face, but very good bad guy face because it makes me want to you know, put a fist in it. Um, my number two, um, many times JC laughed and I wanted to laugh with him. So I, so I had to ask him, what did they just say? Now, granted, I tell my t students all the time, my old man ears can't hear you. You have to speak up. Um, it was hard for me to hear a lot of dialogue, but my hearing is atrocious anyways. Um, but that, that actually was thick with two C's. Um, my number one, there were too many times I needed JC there to fill me in on the Irish traditions uh, that were needed for the progression of the film. There were parts where I was like, what, what is happening? And he's like, oh, well, this is actually a very typical Irish tradition where this happens like, and that makes perfect sense. Um, if this movie were remade today, you would have to have like a narrating leprechaun, like in the bottom corner, like that old Microsoft Word paperclip. It says, <laughs> Clippy? Yeah. It's like, in the 1700s, Irish tradition was this. And the kids would be like, oh, thanks. This needed the VH1 pop-ups. Yeah. That, like, pop gave you the random, yeah. the pop-up video. So, like, if not, like, you work it into where there's a narrator. It's like, what? Like the, uh... Like the snowman in Elf was like, well, in old Irish traditions, <laughs> it was so habit that once a man died, a banshee came to pick up his thing. It'd be done by Foghorn yeah. Leghorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's my number one. I, I, I wish I would have known it more naturally, but I just watch Notre Dame games, and I think that's about as Irish as I go. But you've never seen Rudy. I don't need to. He I watched. It. I watched the Charlie Weiss era. Is that not good enough for you guys? <laughs> that almost went all over the computer. <laughs> that almost went on the computer. And for, since it you guys can, the nostrils. <laughs> I was gonna say since you guys can't see what we just saw, Joe just oh, took Jesus. a giant swig of his alcoholic beverage as he oh. laughed, and I'm pretty sure it almost ruined the computer. Uh, JC, what are your bottom three? Uh, none. I have no bottom threes. What are you talking all about? All right. <laughs> uh, Next week. No. <laughs> all right. Uh, in all honesty, I. I can, I 100% agree with the two guys. I've listened to it so many times and even I was started catching words that I hadn't heard before. So if you are a new person who has no background in Irish tradition or even the Irish language, cause there are a lot of times he's actually speaking in Gaelic. And so it's hard to understand. So the accents are so hard. If you don't know Irish insults or Irish jargon, so many of the jokes and so many of the hilarity goes right over your head. And that's sad because a lot of the dialogue is hilarious, but if you're a new person watching it, and again, when I watched it, my dad told me, this is why this is funny. This is why this is funny. And so, like, I got clued into, like, the inside jokes. But if you're a new person watching this, you are that person who's like, why is everybody laughing? Like, there's an inside joke here. And then number two, 
I, I'm upset because if people did watch this now, this movie, I feel like people would find things to be pissed at. And here's what I mean. In today's climate, this movie would be criticized as not PC, but I think it's an honest film. I think there's a lot of heart to it, but people would be like, oh, these are caricatures, or oh, this is being offensive, and oh, it's offending this person and that person. I'm like, ah. And I would that would just frustrate me because in a way, yeah, maybe if we go back, to a lot of the movies from the 50s and 60s, we can see a lot of offensive stuff. But I feel like if... if Song of the South was back then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. all of that stuff. So so I feel like if people were to watch this today, you would have those people that are like, oh, well, this... And it would get, like, bad press. And I'm like, that's taking the wrong message. Yes, it does stereotypes. Yes, it does, like, pretty easy to to do typecasting. But it's it's still telling a good story and it's still telling like a good tale. So maybe that's the thing is the Irish typecast a lot of stuff, but it's still a good story at the end. Song of the South was 1946 and I had totally forgotten about Song of the South. Oh, are you? Oh, yeah. Song of the South is a movie. Walt Disney, the, the Disney company has now like they don't even claim it's theirs yet. It is the focal point of their theme park, the log ride. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I remember going on the log ride if, uh, with my uh, ex at her time. At the time, she wasn't my ex at the time, but with my ex. And we're going down this thing, and I looked at her and go, this is the most racist ride I've ever been on. <laughs> it is. Oh, that zippity-doo-dah. <laughs> Show enough. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and my number one, my number one bottom three thing is that God damn, Banshee <laughs> still scares the shit out of me. Like, I got tingles. I'm an adult man. I am a full-grown man. And that damn Banshee came out of the damn ruins, and I'm looking at Joe like, I want to hug him because I'm getting tingles on my arm. It still scares me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And I'm <laughs> still a wuss and getting scared by 1950s films. <laughs> All right, guys, who is the audience for this film? Well, if this was one of the first Disney films you ever saw, you will probably still like this. Joel? Um, I think that this is for people who can enjoy classic films that have the, like, the open-mindedness to understand that like film has progressed since then. Uh, but I also think it's for individuals who really enjoy Irish culture. Because I like Irish culture, and I really enjoyed watching this and learning a little bit more. JC? Yeah, I think it's for Disney fans, like Disney hardcore fans. Because this is an old movie. Like, this is from the, like, Swiss Family Robinson, the old Yeller days. Like, those old school movies. And so if you're a Disney fan, like, nobody watches those today unless you're a big Disney fan. So you would watch this. And, yeah, if you like the Irish, this is kind of a nice sort of, like, intro. And, again... When I went over to Ireland, I, I studied abroad there. I genuinely at times would like be in a bar or a pub and listening to people tell stories. And in my head, I'm like, this is just like a Darby O'Gill. Like, so there is some truth to it. So it just made me chuckle. I'm kind of, I'm looking up right now, the Disney original films and uh, going all the way back to that time. And I'm on the wrong damn page, but I wanted to see what else, what other movies were around that time that may have gotten more popularity. The Blob. Uh, that wasn't a Disney film, was it? Oh, no, no. No. The, the Nutty Professor? The Nutty Professor? Shaggy Dog? Let's see here. We got 45. This was Derby O'Gill, so that was 59, right? Okay. So The Shaggy Sleeping Dog Beauty. was 59. Sleeping Beauty was also 59. Yep. Uh... Let's see, 1960, Pollyanna, Swiss Family Robinson. 101 Dalmatians was 61. Parent Trap was 61. 
Absent-minded professor was 61. I mean, but I'm looking at fantasy films here. Old Yeller was right beforehand. I think all of these movies actually have more staying power because they don't rely on the fantasy element. I Yeah. I'm also like amazed looking at this list that I have. I think they've put only cartoons in mind. Mm-hmm. How many movies I grew up with that were 60s and 70s? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like the movies that I watched the most as a kid was like Jungle Book, Aristocats, and Robin Hood. And those came out in a row. And 101 Dalmatians. And aside from 101 Dalmatians, the other three came out in a row. 101 mm-hmm. Dalmatians was 61. Uh, Jungle Book was 67. Aristocats was 70. Robin Hood was 73. Sword of the Skip Stone. one, Fox and the Hound, I watched all the time. It was sad as shit, but I liked it. Sword in the Stone was 63. Which I never saw that one. Yeah. Um, uh, I saw it in the doctor's office. I was sick a lot. Bed Knobs and Broomsticks was 60, uh, 71. Uh, Robin Hood with the Fox. Yeah. That was uh, 73. So... Like, it blows my mind that some of these movies are this old. Yeah. Like, I had no idea that Fox and the Hound and the Rescuers were in 77 and 81. But look at this. And they were just cranking out movies back then. Holy and cow. Disney like, was a power. Child, child of me feels like great movie, great movie, great movie, great movie. And maybe it was because, like, those were really the movies I watched. It may have been that my parents were kind of closeting me to like Disney movies, but every movie you've just mentioned, like I watched it as a kid and I watched it multiple times on VHS. I'm amazed right now. <clears throat> like my mind is actually like legitimately blown looking at the years that these movies came out. Mm-hmm. Cause these were like all my childhood and I couldn't name live action movies that came out during these decades. Nope. I, I, it, it is crazy to me that like, I believe Robin hood was 73 but it's crazy to me that the Aristocats is 1970. Yeah. Or that Oliver and Company was 1988. I don't yeah. know. That's crazy. I didn't realize Aristocrats was 70. I figured that's, that was early 80s. Yeah. But yeah, that's, yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. All right, guys. Movie report card because, you know, we're teachers and A is superior, B, above average, C, average, D, below average, and F, total fail of manure. <laughs> In the family film feature, in the family feature film alliteration genre, give us a grade and some comments that defend your grade, Mr. Joe. Well, I know JC thinks I'm going to drop an F on this or a D minus. I'm not. I I, I actually figured maybe a, a D or a D plus. I wasn't, I didn't think you'd go F, but I figured maybe D or D plus. I think the best thing I can say about this is the special effects are ridiculously good in regard to scenes with leprechauns and humans. The perspectives they used are flawless by today's standards. No doubt Peter Jackson was inspired partially by this type of camera work. It may not have been directly this movie, yeah. but this type of camera work when making his Lord of the Rings movies and then eventually making Gandalf cry. <laughs> there, <laughs> there isn't a lot of story here. There's a lot of time that is just dancing around or singing merry rhymes. I can't say I'm a fan of the acting because I couldn't understand half of the lines delivered. The main actor is a poor choice because he's practically unintelligible. <laughs> because of that, I had to keep rewatching scenes just to understand what was going on. In my opinion, this movie just doesn't work for today's audiences of kids. However, I think that if Disney is in line with remaking their former films... And Joel's standard... <laughs> Of 30 years. <laughs> this one has to be one on the whiteboard. Instead of making Darby O'Gill an old man, make him a kid who is always telling lies. Update the plot Ooh. and the songs. Minus Pretty Irish Girl, which is the one you keep. And you may be able to re-grab a modern honor- audience. That is a bad idea. Overall, I'm indifferent to this movie. It's a fairly average story. It's not as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> 
But when it comes to family films, I can think of quite a bit more that are better to watch and will be appreciated by kids today. I played this movie at school this week for my fifth graders. I sold them on leprechauns. After 15 minutes, they wanted it off and asked to do math. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. They were bored. Yes, kids' sensibilities have changed. There's nothing wrong with that. Superman the movie was really good if it was one of the first movies you saw. And those people still claim it's one of the best. But if you started with the MCU, you'd look at Superman the movie and think, this is the best? I don't think so. Different tastes for different generations. Before I showed them the movie, I was going to give it a C. After showing my students the movie, I was at a D. But because I know there's a good story here somewhere that just needs updating and better execution, I'm going to give this a C-. minus. If they were to remake this and it was a good adaptation, I would drop this particular version to a D+. But for the sake of this film and not hypothetical future films, I give it a C-. minus. All right, Joel. First of all, I want to be clear. Was that as bad as you thought it would be? No, it was actually much better than I thought it would be. Damn. Although the kid's reaction to it makes me chuckle. <laughs> it's kids today. Yeah. yeah. Kid, kids today. <laughs> I'm taking the ball and going home. Um, Let's think about this for a minute. I'm going <laughs> like, actually 60 seconds. You have to, you know, um, take into account that no, it, it does not work fully today. Um, and I'm going to give it the same comments that I gave E.T. last week. I think this is a very good film. It's a film that I kind of wish that I had grown up with. Um, but we have definitely advanced since this point. And when we're looking at this, every time, you know, we all, at the be- in the intro, we always say, let's see if it holds up to 2018 standards. And there are a lot of amazing movies that were made in the past. And it's hard to say, like, this holds up perfectly to today. Um, I enjoyed this film. I honestly, I liked it more than I thought I would. It's still like, cause at the first I didn't even like take really the time to memorize the title of the movie. I remember when I asked JC, he asked if I wanted to go watch the Olympics. I said, why don't we go watch Mr. Megorium's Leprechaun Emporium? <laughs> <laughs> and, but I don't know. I, I enjoy, I truly enjoyed the story. I liked seeing old Connery. I loved Darby. Um, the only thing that I have to like take it down to is like, no, it doesn't work for everybody today. The dialogue truly was tough to understand at times, but I love the characters that they had. Um, you could sharpen up the story a little bit more. I don't know how much of that goes into old Irish traditions and the Irish accent. I was telling JC when we watched, it, I said, but you know what? I've seen plenty of specials and documentaries on people in the South and they have uh, subtitles I'm like, why do they have subtitles? I can understand every word they're saying. Because <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. So I do understand things that most people don't. Um, it's an interpreter. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, um, you look at, is it average? Do I regret watching it? I definitely don't regret watching it. Um, would I watch it again? I Honestly, I think I would. And would I recommend it to people who want an old movie to watch? I Honestly, I would. Um, I, if we're okay, so we're like a superior B above average C average. I'm going to, I'm going to have to give it, I'm a C plus. I think that it is, I think it is above average. Um, gosh, it, I'm really battling between the C plus and the B minus. Cause I, I really did enjoy this film. Um, 
I think what essentially brings it down is the fact that like I needed JC there to tell me about some of the Irish traditions. Um, if I had known that already, I think that bumps it up to a well above average film because it's perfect for people that know these traditions already. And I think it is wonderfully executed. I just have to look at it in the 2018 lens of a lot of people aren't going to get it the first time and they do need a little explanation. Um, so that's what mine is. I think it, I, but I think it was a very good film. Okay, JC plus. Yeah. C plus. All right. JC. I, I 100% agree with both of you, which is why this is a family film and not a friend film. This is a film that needs to be watched with a family. Kids aren't going to get it. I am not shocked at all that kids in fifth grade hated this movie. This is a film, if I had watched it back in the 1980s by myself without my father telling me stuff, because I didn't understand this language, I'd have hated it. This is the epitome of a family film, because you're only going to get it if you watch it with your family. You need an adult telling you why this is funny. You need an adult sort of telling you this is why you should listen to your parents so you don't fall down hills and break your neck and things like this. But... I mean, there are some legitimate points. The language is a problem. So even though you can have that adult, if it's an adult that doesn't understand Irish or doesn't understand the language, that's a problem. And again, kids aren't going to want to watch a movie with subtitles. That's a good point. The music is great. I also like the acting. But again, I love this movie because of my family. So when I look at this as a family feature film, to me, it is a great movie for the family because I needed my family to enjoy this film. And now I love it. And Joel made a good point of he wishes he had seen it when he was younger in that I will show this to the boy. And the boy, I will tell him what the jokes mean. I will tell him what the words mean. I will tell him the stories behind them. And so then even though it isn't Marvel, it isn't having all of these fancy things, what I'm hoping is my son will have that family connection. This is a film that the family can sit down and watch. It's not very long. It Nobody's going to be offended by it. Everybody's going to find something. And even if you don't like the movie, you like it because you're hanging out with your family. Now, if you don't like hanging out with your family, that's a whole other problem. And Tough I cookies. I, I can't <laughs> deal with that. So as far as a family feature film, I'm going to dock it for the, for the uh, language being hard to understand. I'm also going to dock it because you, you need to, to have some of the traditions explained to you. You need to have some things. So when you take those two things down, that sets it at a B. And to me, it is a solid B. So I think it's a very B movie. But it's a B-movie as a family film. If you're just watching this for movie's sake, by yourself, you're going to hate it. You need to watch this. And it needs to be multi-generational. It's not like all the siblings watch the movie. You need, almost you need a grandparent. You need the parent. Then you need the kid. So to me, it is a B-family film. That's, that's actually really good, yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, revisiting our list of movies in the Pantheon, where does... Not E.T. Darby O'Gill stack up. Uh, Darby O'Gill scored a, a seven. So it is a C plus right now. Oh, but it lost to Gremlins. Hold on a second here. Depressing. I have a question for you. And I posed this with Sam also. We were doing our version with the horror films, which is we have two movies that are C plus. Which one is more family friendly? Oh, Darby, hands down. I have to agree, Darby. <laughs> Darby is more family-friendly, yeah. It hurts me to pose that because I think Gremlins is a better film, but 
It's the family feature. It's the family pantheon. It is more family. Gremlins relies on the horror aspect of it. This needs the family together. So if you guys are okay, I'd like to put this lower scored C plus above Gremlins. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. Something that has not been done yet, and it stings as I'm typing this, but I, I am fair, and it hurts. What is math? God. I just, oh, Jesus. I shouldn't have said anything. Damn it. Okay. Okay. So, so now the list is E.T. at number one, Darby O'Gill at number two, and Gremlins at number three. Darby O'Gill. Uh, all right. Now let's take our critics, critics' hats off. Do you love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above? Joseph. None of the above. Joel. In the words of Joseph Francis Tribbiani. <laughs> When he tries Rachel's English trifle with the <laughs> beef sautéed in peas and onions. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I love it. I still love it. I'll love it for a while. Well, that's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll look at Moneyball from 2011 for the Sports Pantheon. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films or discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They're included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. <laughs>